in the Grotto Pod. I am in the Grotto Pod. But I'm not alone. No. Bridget's in the Grotto Pod. Be cute to her friends. Toujours. Today, our guest is Grant Faulkner. Awesome name. He's so lucky. His real first name is William. What? Understandably, he goes by Grant. I knew this because... That's crazy. Grant Faulkner is part of the elite group of people I've known for a long time. <laughs> Wait, I need to back up. We can ask him when he gets here. <laughs> his, his name is William Grant Faulkner. That's awesome and incredible. This guy is a storyteller extraordinaire. And yeah. that is on the page and in person. Is he possibly related? I don't think he's related, but we'll let him handle it. He's not from the South. He's actually from Iowa. So he's got the Iowa farm boy stories, he can tell. Although I don't he's think he's so lucky. Not a farm guy. Everyone uh, from Iowa is a farm guy. He's got the misspent sort of James Dean youth stories. Oh. You can tell. You know a lot about him. Uh, yeah, I've known him for a long time. And, uh, How so? Uh, we went to grad school together along with Poe Bronson. Oh, you guys. The old SF State crowd. Look at you. Uh, but since leaving grad school, Grant has really found his place in the barrier, Bay Area literary community. Would you say that's fair to say? Oh, definitely. I mean, in addition, so, so we're It's like all, a name you know. You're like, oh, Grant Faulkner. I've never met the guy. It's one thing that has been, really surprised me since starting the Grotto is, A, that how many people here know him and know him well, and B, that he's not here, because it seems like he would be. But here's the thing. Uh, you know, we all, well, not all, but those of us who try to write short stories and novels, you know, we slave away at that thing. And, and like us, Grant does. In fact, I just read his bio, and he said he's got a book of short stories and a novel uh, kind of in the hopper that he's working wow. on. Uh, he's actually already published a, a novel, which I didn't actually know, called The Names of All Things, uh, a book of f- flash fiction called Fishers. Mm-hmm. And he has a new book. Uh, that is called Pep Talks for Writers. Uh, hang on, I'm going to have to go to the page. To I've been reading the, it. I have too. I really like it. I will use it in my future classes. I will use it for myself right now. You sound a little Dr. Seussian right there. Oh, do I? As I was looking for the Did subhead. I sound that way? I will use it on a boat. Oh, right. I will use it on a moat. I was just trying to not be too much of my usual Pollyanna-ish effusive self. Pollyanna-ish? Mm-hmm. I wouldn't think that. Really? I'm glad to Anyways, hear that. It's I called, feel like whenever I listen to the podcast, it's you like, sound like, awesome! She is light. So I am great. dark. Uh, it's called Pep Talks for Writers, 52 Insights and Actions to, really push, like to Boost Your Creative Mojo. Uh, you know, and I would say as importantly, uh, some of the other things Grant has done, he's the executive director of National Novel Writing Month, known in the trade as NaNoWriMo, which I'm a little embarrassed saying. Yeah, I want to call it it's for my myself. F- I had thought of this. What is it? National Novel Writing Month. <laughs> Nano, no mo It's not my favorite uh, abbreviation, but... Uh, you may or may not have heard of it. You may or may not have participated. Is there someone who hasn't heard of it? Uh, yeah, there are. What? Civilians. But, but if you have if not... If listening to this, I'm the, assuming... The deal... Is, yeah, that's true. You're probably not a civilian. Uh, my sister listens. I bet she hasn't heard oh, of it. Oh, okay. The deal is uh, every November mm-hmm. is set aside as National Novel Writing Month. The challenge is to write 50,000 words in a month. And the idea of... The uh, place that Grant works, where he is the executive director of NaNoWriMo, is that they create a community for you while you're writing. There's check-ins, you get emails, there's places you can go uh, for timed writes. It's really kind of a cool thing. And if he had just done that, 
that would be enough. Super cool. But he's also the co-founder of 100 Word Story, which oh, yeah. is kind of, I, I don't know, I'll have to ask him. It, it seems to me it's one of kind of the original gangster flash fiction mm-hmm. places. Oh, for sure. I mean, that's the first time I really knew about flash fiction. Yeah, and they do a ton of readings that I, I generally go to. Um, How are those as readings? I bet those are great readings. They're real fun, and Grant's a real good reader, too. Yeah. So he livens things up, and Jane... I'm not even going to try to say, pronounce her last name, Chia, but you know Jane. Mm-hmm. She's there. Great. Um, Chabateri? Chab- oh, nice. I don't know. Just that's, pull that that's, out. Well, that's how I say it. I don't know if it's right or not. Good job. I have so, we know so many people who you know their whole name, but you never call someone by their first name and their last name, so you never hear their last name. Well, I think we should. Or we should just go like a uh, 12-year-old boy and call everyone by their last name. Yeah. Isn't I like that right, that. Quinn? I like to be called Quinn because of the mighty Quinn. Oh, yeah. Uh, also founder of the Flash Fiction Collective. And he's on a bunch of boards. And the thing that's interesting to me, me, because let's talk about me for a moment. Why not? Uh, since Grant and, I, Grant and I reconnected a few years ago, it really seems like his career has taken off mm-hmm. as far as the number of times he's being asked to appear on panels, mm-hmm. to give talks, to be interviewed, to write. He just had something in the Chronicle this week. Uh, about the uh, his most inspirational novel or most important. I'm sorry, Grant, I haven't read it yet. But can you send me that link? I will. Something along those lines. So, anyways, uh, if you're looking for someone who basically lives and breathes Bay Area literature and the Golden State Warriors, oh, this is your know. man. This is your man. And also, ju- I mean, really, the book title, his new book, which just came out this month, October mm-hmm. 2017, Pep Talk for Pep Talks for Writers. It really is that. Like it, it I, I have been reading it and, and getting, getting excited about getting to work. Yeah, it's a good feeling. Yeah, and, uh, but it's also it's not just it's not just Pollyanna like go go go. Oh, no, it really gives yeah. you real uh, practical solutions I, and, I have and to help. Tell you even math. Even it gives you math. Yeah, creative math. Check this out. I am so into this. Goal plus deadline equals magic. <laughs> I, and anxiety. No way, dude. I is so true. Goal. Well, maybe a little anxiety. Okay, yes. Goal plus deadline equals magic. That's the trick to NaNoWriMo, I'm sure. But it's also the trick to getting anything done in, yeah, in my I creative agree. life. Yeah, I'm, like, I'm goal-driven as well. I really I like magic. having a deadline. I really like know what I'm writing for. That's when things happen. Oh, and your phone's ringing. I'm sorry. Anyways, uh, I think you're really in for a treat. With any luck, maybe he'd be wearing an unusual hat. He oh, does he do that? to wear an unusual hat now and then. Oh, right. He says in, uh, in yeah, the book. Yeah, he wears different hats. Depending on what he's working on. It's a Viking on. hat that he, he wore. Well, that's an NaNoWriMo thing. Yeah. Oh, it is. Right. Because right. you're a Viking. Yeah. Anyhow, uh, no better time than the present to go yeah. get him. Okay. So uh, let's go do that. All right. Grant, welcome to the Grotto Pod. I'm so glad to have you here. This is many months in the making. We've been trying to get you here. Yep. Thanks so much, Larry and Bridget. I, I never thought that I would share a tiny closet with you, but I expect Aww. it to be a pleasure. Come on. We've shared plenty. Um, <laughs> but not a tiny closet. That is true. This is our first tiny closet. This is our first tiny closet. And as it turns out, the timing of this is fantastic because this will air a couple days before the beginning of November. All right. In November. What's, what's November. Uh, you know, it's Thanksgiving. Uh, a lot of good things happen in November, but for you, it's National Novel Writing Month. Oh, Actually, that's I right. shouldn't say just for you. I saw that on my calendar. Yeah, <laughs> you can say I saw that on my resume. How many people? We call it, you know, those in the know, Nano Uh How many people do it? Do you think? 
So, uh, last year, 312,000 people oh my signed God. up for our main nanorimo.org experience. Ask, and then let me finish the question. Okay. Uh, another 80,000 kids and teens signed up on our Young Writers so Program. 400,000. And I'm wondering if it's a little bit like the Boston Marathon where people just show up without numbers? Yes. I and think oh, there are thousands and thousands of people who just write their novels on their own during the month. Or they participate in other writing communities, mm-hmm. you know, on Facebook, Facebook groups or other, yeah. That's an incredible number. It's pretty incredible, isn't it? I hope all those people are also buying a novel. <laughs> I think they are. That's awesome. Writers are readers, right? I yep, hope they're not exactly. publishing novels because I can't yeah. handle the, the competition. <laughs> yeah. That's, hey, I, speaking of which, do you ever have people come back to you and say, hey, this started at 9 Absolutely. Yeah. We, so we have cool. had... Many bestsellers come out of NaNoWriMo. No way. We've had hundreds of traditionally published books, thousands of self-published books. Um, we can't keep track of them, actually. We There's just too many. So this, That is awesome. And that sort of brings into mind something I wanted to get to later about audience and who you're speaking to. But mm-hmm. let's just dive in now. So okay. when you think of... Th- so you're, you're the executive director of, of NaNoWriMo, yeah. National Novel Writing Month. I have a problem with acronyms. I'm just going to say that off the it's top. It's tough. It's it, tough. It, it, yeah. it kinda, Practice a few times. Some people say NaNoWriMo. But it's oh, NaNoWriMo. That sounds like a violation. Like writing, yeah, right. Yeah. Not reading. I I have a new name for you, though. <laughs> oh, good. Um, it was, I know, I thought you'd like that. Nano Firemo, which is National Nonfiction Writing. Oh. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, because I decided that I'm going to do nonfiction writing in November. Okay. How uh, common we, is we, that? We say that um, if you call it a novel, we call it a novel. Oh, okay. And so I think the Done. same framework of writing 50,000 words in a month could apply so to So that's my plan. Yeah. I'm going to write a $50,000 $50, yes yeah. proposal. We don't give a dollar per it. word. We're not to that okay. state yet, oh, but we hope to get there fair sometime. Enough. So this podcast yeah. is mostly about you, but I do want to delve a little bit into the history Let's of Let's talk about you, Larry. <laughs> I talk about me twice a week. All, all the, the time. time. <laughs> uh, Yes, the, the history. history of, of how long have you been involved with it? So I've been involved since 2012. And how long have they been around? And Chris Beatty accidentally founded NaNoWriMo in 1999. Accidentally. Oh my God, it was that long ago. Yeah. Holy same uh, year that Liquid was founded. Same year that 826 was founded. Something was in the air that year. In San Francisco. It might have been Pets.com. Uh, <laughs> All those people. People trying big crazy ventures. Well, and, and three of the four are still around. That <laughs> is that is super interesting. Yeah, Someone needs to do like a 1999 thing. I know. I know the awesome. music they could play. What could it be? Anyway. So, yes. what did he do in 1999 that accidentally kicked off NaNoWriMo? Well, you know, Chris, I love that he accidentally founded it, and that those words come from him, actually. So, he, he, he literally kind of woke up one day, and as a, as a lover of books, decided, I want to write a novel. But he hadn't read, you know, the canon of how to write books. He hadn't taken writing workshops. He didn't have an MFA. But he just decided that, you know, the best way to learn to write a novel was to write it. And I, I, I believe that. Oh, I, mean, sure. I, I believe yeah. that a novel is such a huge, unique experience that you can't possibly read about how to write a novel. You have to experience it. So he recruited uh, – well, he, did, he looked at his bookshelf. He thought, you know, just looking at the more slender volumes. And so think Catcher in the Rye. So I did a rough estimate of books like that and came up with 50,000 words. Which then, always seemed a little low to me. <laughs> do you, want see, you can go for higher. A month? It's 50,000 No, minimum. no, not for a month, but for a novel. I always thought it was 70,000 because that's 300 pages. Yeah, I think once they reach publishing the publishing stage, they're generally more like 70,000 words. Mm-hmm. But to you know? pound out a first draft, I think it's a fine number. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You, you, can, you can fill in those other words in, later on. And a lot of people write more than 50,000 words as well. 
Larry so, would. Larry, yeah. He's like a freak about words. <laughs> I'm a words. I like, I like, you know, be able to measure he, stuff. I like data. Just the numbers are astonishing. Anyway, when, carry on. Yeah. When the yeah. switch is on. No, I think what's interesting about it is that when Chris started it, he um, invited 20 of his friends to write with him. Uh, when people ask me about NaNoWriMo, what it is, it's one part event, which means writing 50,000 words in a month, but it's a large part about the community. Yeah. And so Chris met with From this, the start. From the start, yeah. Everything that Chris did that first year, we still do. That's uh, we awesome. have a huge writing community, whether it's online, we get like a million forms posted every November about every topic under the sun regarding writing. Uh, we have a thousand volunteers uh, around the world who organize writing gatherings. Uh, we work with a thousand libraries, uh, which also organize writing gatherings, which we call write-ins. And how much has it grown since you've been involved? So, gosh, I think the, the year before I started, we had about 250,000 people sign up on NaNoWriMo. Okay. So it, it fluctuates 40%. every year. But, yeah, we, you know... Um, yeah. You're so fast. That was quick. Yeah, Data. I wasn't ready for that figure. Miss, uh, miss, <laughs> miscast as a mm. writer type. Yeah, yeah. And I got involved initially because I, uh, I was actually a member of the board uh, for one year before I started. When I started on the board, Chris said, by the way, I'm stepping down and you should apply for my job, which I had no wow. vision of doing. Uh, so anyway. Right, but it's kind of a – I accidentally became executive director. So it's all about accidents. Yeah. Which Most is, of life is. Which is great because now you got a job. It's an accident, <laughs> but you also were there, and that's the showing up part. That is, yep. Yeah. There, there you go. You gotta, so you got to show up. What's the, what's the saying? they got to prepared. Up. Yeah. Oh. You're only as good on the court as you are in practice. Oh. There's so John many Wooden. sports metaphors we could Unless use right now. Unless you're C.J. Beathard, who I hear sucks in practice. <laughs> but that's a different story huh. entirely. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to go back to this idea of audience because mm-hmm. you said all these novels, you know, came out of it. Yeah. Self-published. Actually, you know, actually published. Oops. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Traditionally, Traditionally published. published. Yeah. published. We call that. Bestsellers. Yeah. Bestsellers. When you do something like NaNoWriMo and your pep talk book, is your audience professional writers or is it anybody who's ever thought of writing? So I actually don't like the term professional writer a lot. I think a lot of people say I'm not a real writer mm-hmm. because I'm not published or I'm not, I haven't received awards or haven't gone to conferences. I think you're a real writer because you show up and write, mm-hmm. and that, that's what defines you as a writer. So my audience is all writers. Okay. Um, I think, And then the NaNoWriMo writers actually span the whole spectrum. Some of them have never written a novel before. Some of them have written 10 or 15 novels. Our, our best-selling novelists, a lot of them show up to write every November as well. So and, cool. and since they're on a different publishing schedule, like Marissa Meyer, she every draft she does, she does it within a month, the rough draft, you know, whether it's March or June, however it fits oh, okay. into the publication schedule. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so it's, it's a creative framework, and I think that the people it works for, yeah, they become religious about it. Your book, Pep Talks for Writers, which I'm about halfway through and was reading it kind of with this eye of, hey, this is what I'll be able to bring to the people I teach writing to. And then I got fired up myself. All right. I was like, this is awesome. There was a line in there that I think is just perfect. Goal plus deadline equals magic. She liked that one. That yeah. is really true. And that's what NaNoWriMo is, right? It's like it is. deadline, goal, goal, 50,000, deadline, one month. We say that wow. deadline and a goal is a creative midwife. And it, that work, that recipe there works for me because before I did before I did NaNoWriMo personally as a writer, I I practiced what I call ponderous preciousness, mm-hmm. where I would I would need to get that first chapter so perfect before that I first move paragraph, on. that first paragraph, even here's more the, crucial. Well, <laughs> and here's the problem with that: and you write about this, it, mm-hmm. it convinces you you're writing. 
Would yeah, you, you're writing, but you're not moving forward. Right. right. Yeah, I worked you know, on my novel today. Yeah, and it's a, what, what I find strange about the notion now of of being of paying such meticulous care to that first paragraph is that it will likely get chopped. Exactly. <laughs> you know, exactly. Or, or completely rewritten. And yeah, I love this quote from Karen Russell. She says that. Um, 90% of what she writes in a rough draft doesn't end up in the final draft. Right. And so that gives her uh, freedom to just get messy in that first draft. And that's kind of what NaNoWriMo is about as well. The, the rough draft is really an experiment, an exploratory process. That's awesome. But the event itself is more than that because you have actual events – you, you have write-ins, I think? You? Yeah, yeah. The, these volunteers around the world, yeah. they organize writing gatherings in their local communities. And they happen in uh, November, but many of them go year-round now. The communities mm-hmm. like, have become so vibrant. Yeah, I know. I get emails year-round. Yeah, good. good. <laughs> so one of the things you talk about in uh, pep talks for writers is people finish NaNoWriMo. They're all psyched. They have this 50,000-word draft. Yeah. And then it's just like the air goes out. Guilty. Yeah. And yeah. you think, like, now what? And also facing that is pretty daunting, the amount of editing and the amount of reworking that it would take. But in Pep Talks for Writers, you say something about, um, what is it, 250 words a day or an hour of revision? You know, I like, I, one thing I like about NaNoWriMo is how it applies this really sophisticated yeah. math to writing. Yeah. And so if you write 300 words a day, which you know, so could, could take um, as long as five or 10 minutes yeah. or 15 mm-hmm. minutes. So 300 words a day, let's do some math together. Yeah. 9,000 in the month of November, Uh uh, which 98,000 in a year, right? Right. Which is is a big novel. That's a book. And that's just 15 minutes a day. That's unbelievable. It really is unbelievable. It's like compound interest. It seems like total magic, (laughs) but it really works. I mean, I wrote my book in just over a year, and I had written this recent book that just came out. And I had written other books that took me years that were no longer because I only had a year. Yeah. That was the deadline. Nothing like a deadline, especially when it's coming (laughs) from somebody else. Right. And and it – it worked great. Yeah. Which the NaNoWriMo deadline, I think one big reason it works is it's not just a, a self-motivated deadline. I mean, it right. is, but it's also this big community around you. Right. And those, going back to 1999 when Chris met with his friends, if you didn't show up to, to write after work at the Starbucks they were writing and people were saying, are you still writing? Or what's your word count now? Right. And, and those two questions are very motivating. You know, like if you announce what you're doing to the world, the world will hold you. Again. Larry, let's do it. <laughs> post it on Facebook tonight. Sign up, post it on Facebook, and your friends will. Well, I was going to say, uh, I did NaNoWriMo three years ago. How'd it go? 70,000 words. Did you really? Yeah, I wrote a novel. Congratulations. Congratulations man. Yeah. And where what? the that, hell is it now? It's still sitting there. Because you need to revise it. Well, I've revised the first page. We believe in revision. Sometimes people think we're only, that we think like, <laughs> well, oh, just write oh, 50,000 words, you'll be famous. <laughs> well, the problem for me is that that structure really works because. You're that guy. Deadlines, yeah. <laughs> accountability, someone's checking on you. Yeah. That's why, you know, I used to love doing blogs because you write and the next day people comment on it. Mm-hmm. That really works. But then after that, I had this thing. I'm like, well, now what? You know, now. We have a whole initiative called Now What? Really? <laughs> I wrote a novel, Now What? Yeah. We're, we're really speaking to you. Larry. Look at you. you. Are. We're, planning like our, we're planning our programming around you. It happens in January That's and February. Funny. And we focus on uh, revision goals, revision tips, revision resources, also publishing. Yeah. So, do you, do you think there's an element of competitiveness 
in participating yes. in NRIMO. There definitely is. is. That little, that That's awesome. It's, it's a really friendly competitiveness. Competitiveness, though, it's it's more about rooting people on to reach their goals. Mm-hmm. And w- what I find unique about it, especially as a writing community, a lot of writing communities I've been involved in have been more about um, competitiveness, like who's getting published where, zero sum game, and competitiveness. What's the, what's the hierarchy here? Yeah. And and NaNoWriMo's competitiveness is really about like we want to help you realize your your creative potential, and and the community has embraced that. They carry it forward. Yes, I agree. Mm-hmm. But there's definitely a good feeling about saying. Thousand words a day. I wrote three thousand. <laughs> There's a little bit of yeah, friendly taunting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think that's a mistake, though. It can't be healthy. Uh, well, I think the reason it's a mistake is to think three thousand is better than a thousand. Because they like, might suck. Well, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, they're going to mostly, but uh, you do. There is something about keeping the energy at a certain level instead of just like burning through and then you kind of get to a point where you can't like if you have that much still in you i feel like hold on to it for the next day i don't know if it works that way Mm -hmm. really for me i've always wondered that too that was when i first got out of college the the key writing book for me when i became a writer was a movable feast oh yeah he says that yeah he writes yeah write two or three hours a day but always save that that last bit for the next day It, it never truly worked for me. Like when I started the next day, me. I was like, "Where is this mysterious yeah. you know, well that I have stored?" Well, because so much happens between the time you stopped writing and the next day. I don't see where I you do, kept that. I, I do think there's something though about going, reaching the point of where you're running on fumes one day. Yeah, and, and it can like I think harm your motivation the next day if you really exhaust yourself. But I think there's also, at least for me, there's also the part where you're lagging, and you could I quit. Or you can go, all right, no, let's just keep going and just burn through this and yeah. teach myself something here. Yeah, yeah. I think it's – well, I think that is a side benefit of NaNoWriMo is that you're teaching yourself writing discipline mm-hmm. and writing stamina. Oh, for sure. And, you know, I, th- I take it for granted now um, that I can write for several hours. But if you're just starting out yeah. as a writer, it's, it can be tough, right? It's like sports. It's like sports. you got to train. Sports. Yeah. you got to train. Uh, and, you know, the, the big thing I've – taken out of pep talks for writers so far is you have to let yourself be bored. So on the way here, <laughs> I thought of you at every corner because I that's didn't wh- look at my phone. That's what I'd like you to do, Larry, for the rest <laughs> of your life. <laughs> every time I come to a corner and I don't reach for my phone. Yeah. I've got a chapter on I feel like boredom is a scarce resource in our that, society. Especially for kids. And you nailed yeah. it. It's because of the availability of stimuli. Yeah. We're constantly seeking... A stimulation. It's amazing how my brain can't go more than like a couple seconds before I'm like, I need, I need entertainment. It's, you know, it's, it really scares me actually. Yeah, and I think it does harm one's creativity. I think it harms one's, um, you know, just progress with writing. You know, you think you're going to Facebook for two minutes, but never two minutes, or it's two minutes minutes a hundred times a day. Right. And um, I think distractions. I wrote a a chapter on distractions. A proper level of distractions are really great for your creativity. Mm-hmm. Um, but but if you're constantly seeking distractions, oh yeah, you have you talked about that. Is that the Pomodoro method? It sounded like tomato. That might have been another chapter. The Pomodoro method is like when you do what we call a word sprint in NaNoWriMo. Right. You give yourself a set amount of time and you just – it's related to distractions. You just say, I'm turning everything off. I'm writing for 15 minutes in that, a big burst. That really helped me. Someone I knew who was a novelist, maybe she got it from you, <laughs> when I was working on the book, said, um, oh, I do this thing where I work for just 45 minutes where I don't let myself check Facebook. I don't yeah. let myself do anything else, but I reward myself at the end of fifteen minutes, uh, uh, 45 minutes but with 15 minutes of doing whatever I want. Yeah. Go upstairs, you know, eat something. 
something, then I can check Facebook if I want to, but I have to be done in 15 minutes. Like, yeah. that's also a timer. Yeah. Um, and that really helped me. Sorry, it's, it's always like this. It's great. I think, it, I think it's great uh, because it's more likely that you reach that kind of flow state. Right. Or to just go that extra step deeper into it, your work. It kills me that we have to come up with sort of artificially created yeah. guidelines to prevent us. Or apps. I did it. You can download an app to solve your technology <laughs> problems. I know, yeah. But I used to do that when I, before the internet, before anything, I would read a novel. I would read something and I'd get lost in reading that thing. Or I'd supposedly go to do research and then I'd read the whole history of Bismarck or something. Like, you know, You're so, you know what kills it me? It happens no matter mm-hmm. what. Year, when we were in grad school, yeah. I spent my days... Larry and I were in grad school together. With Poe Bronson. Oh. Uh, I spent my days walking, and that's where I'd get all my ideas. And I would sometimes write things in my head, walking around right. the city. Right. Yeah. Now you won't see me without a set of these headphones on, listening to a podcast while I'm walking or looking Same. at my phone. I never yeah. get ideas walking anymore. You know, this summer, I actually have a chapter on walking here, just coincidence. I'm a big fan. Um, but this summer I had this rare uh, gift of a writing residency. And oh, so I, and, so and, and part writing. of that gift, it was like my NaNoWriMo times two. I was trying to get so much writing done because I'm a working parent and I just needed a lot of words on the page for this new novel. Uh, but what I found was I'd write for four or five or six hours in the morning and um, to the point of exhaustion. Yeah, I mean, there is a point where you can't keep going. Yeah, I could not keep going, but I made sure that I took a, a hike every afternoon, and that's where every single one of my big ideas came from. And, and it so wasn't good. forced. I was no, just walking, and they just, like, came up in a big gush. No headphones, no stimuli. No headphones. Just, I was a little bit worried about uh, mountain lions, but... Well, that's not. why you don't wear headphones. <laughs> yeah, that's a good reason not to. I mean, that's, uh, what the, that's what the lake poets did, right? I mean, that was yeah. a big part, or even Thoreau, or... William Emerson. Wordsworth composed all of his poems exactly. while walking, yeah. Exactly. Great, why don't you blow beat Q's mind and tell her who else was at this uh, fellowship, the yeah, residency you were at. <laughs> uh, Rufus Wainwright. Oh, Mysteriously man. there. Mysteriously? Did, He's a songwriter. He, he was mysteriously there. Did you accomplish my goal for you? You were supposed to make were they him... supposed to kiss? No, he was supposed <laughs> to make him have a beer and talk about sports. Oh. Do you think he wouldn't? No. There's no we can way. talk about that later, Larry. Maybe this not, is not, a, not This here is not and, the time. Yeah, this is not the time. This, is about, this is about me. Crap. Not Rufus Wainwright. <laughs> Or we can oh, make I it thought, about you. I thought it was about craft. <laughs> or Bridget. Let's make it about Bridget. Let's not. Let's not say we did. Oh, thank I'm you, for, thank you for the reminder, though, because I do want to back up a little bit. Okay. Um, when I knew you 20 years ago, or 25 years ago, no, mm-hmm. no. you didn't set out. 20 was good. You didn't set out to become what we were talking about earlier, how you're sort of a guru of the writing life. Hmm. You were like Evernote. Gosh. You were a writer like us. You wanted to write novels. You wanted to write short mm-hmm. stories. Tell still me little, do. Yeah, yeah, and you still you are working on them. But tell me about a little about the evolution of how you mean because I think you were already on this path before you became the executive director of NanoRimo yeah. and the author of Pep Talks for Writers and a guy who was tapped here locally Whenever they want someone to talk about the writing life, really, I feel like they tap you. <laughs> you know, you get interviewed. I hope not. But. You know, no, but they do. They want like let's get this guy. He knows about the writing life. I've been doing it for 30 years. Yeah. Describe so, the yeah. evolution of where you, you know, has it always been going on where you're like, well, I'm a writer and I'm very con- cognizant of that I'm living this life and maybe I can help people out, mm-hmm. share my experiences and, and define what it means to be a writer. Yeah. I think like like most writers, I've gone on a crazy labyrinth of professional um, 
jobs that helped me be a writer and jobs that didn't help me be a writer. But I was always looking for jobs that helped me be, be a writer and complete my writing. I mean, when I was in my 20s, I purposefully waited tables or worked in bookstores so I could have the evening shift mm-hmm. so I could write during the mornings. And, oh, I and love book, that. Bookmark that because I want to get back to that. Yeah. So, that, I mean, that, that was a glorious area because I had no commitments to anyone. Right. <laughs> and I, could, it was, I would love to do that again, actually. Um, you will because they're going to grow up. <laughs> I, will, I will end up waiting tables. Yeah. That'll be my final <laughs> job. I'll be writing a lot well, in the you morning. Choose again. to work in the morning is all I'm saying. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So, but, but you know, I, I, I was a reporter for a while. I worked in corporate communications back in the Pets.com era when all these mm. great organizations were being yeah, uh, days, founded. Right? Yeah. Um, and then, but then, you know, I, I'm a really mission-driven person, and I wanted to work in a nonprofit that, that supported or helped people write. And so, I started out with the National Writing Project, which is also in Berkeley. It focuses on helping teachers become better teachers of writing, and among other issues. And it was really wonderful for me to work work there. And that was kind of a training ground for my for my current job with NaNoWriMo. So, so it's interesting because you sort of, I, I feel like you almost did a U-turn or a left turn. <laughs> There's different ways we've talked about in this closet. A lovely about, closet. About, we talk about writing in this closet. Right, about day jobs. Yeah. And we've talked about whether it's more inspirational or, I guess, for want of a better term, easier to have your day job have something to do with writing yeah. versus having your day job be kind of a completely separate space, you know, where you wait tables or not, corporate communications isn't a good example, but you're a lawyer or something and then you go home well, and even, you write. Even in corporate communications, you're, you're thinking about words most of the day in some form. That's, why, that's why I said it's a bad example of a job that's completely separate from writing. Yeah, it's not. It's not. You're, so, and you're staring at a screen. Right. I but actually find staring at a screen to be worse I, for my writing. I agree. Than, I agree. Than a lot of other things. Um, but you're saying like what, how, to, to carve out a life as a writer, it's sort of like this existential choice mm-hmm. about whether you're choosing jobs that, that really allow you to just dive in and, and immerse yourself in writing versus jobs that are a little more whatever. And I've heard arguments from both sides. Yeah. It probably just depends on your... Just your, I don't know how you're how you're made. Like, yeah, what works for you? I, I was going to say the thing that works for me the best is that I'm not an evening writer, mm-hmm. and so, because Same. I'm so burned out when I come home from work, um, and so I I'm very blessed by being a horrible sleeper. It used to be a curse, but now I consider it a blessing. So I wake up at like four or five in the morning and write for a couple hours, um, and I have that time just to myself. Uh, I tell my wife the last time I, my, I'm from Iowa, I grew up in Iowa, and the last time I was back there, I didn't I didn't shift to Pacific time. I'm, I'm on Midwest time, <laughs> except that my meals are on Pacific time. I, I, that was actually the hardest thing for me and for my writing was when my children were were really little. Mm-hmm. Is that they would interrupt that time? Like yeah, they interrupt. Time, they know how to interrupt. They, yeah, they do. They, they are so needy. Yeah. I know. Um, I know. Why, no why one ever so needy? told me that about kids. You know, you got to teach them early. I know. Just kick them out. But, you know, they, I get up early, but then they got up early, too. I could never quite fit it in, and it really screwed with my writing rhythm for years. Yeah. Like, it's hard. I've well, actually kind of, like, it, they have changed my writing yeah. rhythm. I mean, other than waking up for that uh, couple hours when they're, they're asleep, uh, I'm much more comfortable writing in what I call the nooks and crannies of time or mm-hmm. with interruptions, uh, which which means... Um, that's hard. It's really difficult, but, but um, this is where my other life, the 100-word story, comes in um, because I can write like little stories while mm-hmm. I'm watching a soccer game while the other parents are cheering on their own children. I'm sitting there, you know, writing my fiction. <laughs> but, oh, that's uh, pretty cool. Yeah. I don't do it all the time, but... And I fake, you know, 
the occasional cheer when. <laughs> oh, I have to. done a lot <laughs> of writing. Youth soccer is fascinating. <laughs> I've done. I see thousands of hours of it. Yeah. So have I. And yeah. if I had not done writing and editing at soccer games, I would have nothing right now. Yeah. I mean, that's where so much happened. In fact, that's how I met um, or Diana Cap. Uh, our daughters were on the soccer team together, and she told me about being at the grotto, and that's kind of how hey, you got there. So there you go. Yeah, you know, get I your notebook out, people. Do that because I got to tell you the truth. I was always coaching. Well, yeah, that won't work. Yeah, never coach. If you're a writer, never. Yeah, don't, 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 don't volunteer, volunteer for the PTA. Yeah. Don't coach. Better coach. This is this is <laughs> this is chapter fifty three. The didn't oh, make that it didn't into make the book. It. Yeah, don't don't, don't participate. Don't engage. And no, I'm joking. Of course. <laughs> well, you but guys are lucky. Something to that. You guys are lucky because my body chemistry makes me a nighttime writer, but mm-hmm. I can't do it anymore. Why? Because oh, I'll never sleep. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, if you like, if you are able to be at your best in the morning, I find that writing gets you kind of fired up. You know, so when you're done, you're still your brain's still going. If you do that at midnight, you're not getting to bed till three. Yeah, I do hear about night, evening, nighttime writers that they stay up very late. You yeah, know, so you have to make your life work on that cycle, I guess. And you, it's harder to share it with someone who has a normal schedule if that's the mm-hmm. way you're going. Yeah, so true. so it's a little bit of an uphill battle. Here's yeah. the thing: there's no excuse. You just have right, to work. Right. That's and what I was going to tell Larry. Yeah, okay. I'm glad. <laughs> I thought it was a little bit of an excuse. It's a little bit of an excuse, but I got plenty of excuses. But everyone now. has excuses, and that's kind of the great truth is it doesn't matter. You can actually, in 10-minute increments, yeah. get something well, done. I want to tell that a story. Really my my favorite story about small increments is Toni Morrison. Yeah. And she was a working parent. Uh, living in New York City. I, I don't know how she many kids she had. She had a big job. Yeah, she had a big job at yeah. a publishing house. But anyway, she would uh, come home, cook dinner for her kids, help them with the homework, put them to bed, and she had literally about 15 minutes and left. she would just do 15 and minutes. And she would do 15 minutes, but not only just 15 minutes. She did it when she was at her you know lowest point of creative energy during the day, and that's how she wrote her first novel. Which and, is pretty damn good. Yeah. I remember um, Karen Carbo, I was in a workshop with her once, and she said her best advice for someone writing a book, this was a nonfiction workshop, was to visit it every day, even if only for 15 minutes. Yeah. And that is true because you lose that thread. Yeah. But even if it's for 15 minutes of checking in, and, and you had one sentence, but it keeps that thread Cause alive. Because exactly. it reminds you about the character. You can think about the characters because yeah. you just visited The them. story, whatever it is. I feel like if you wait too long between writing sessions, you lose all that momentum. And Definitely. so, yeah, you even do. just putting it back into your subconscious, something is happening. Or even remembering, why was I going here? Why was I mm-hmm. doing this? Well, I can't. you got to get the reps, too. If you don't. What's the reps? Repetition. Oh, you mean like, like sports reps? Like if reps. you take yeah. too much time, yeah, yeah. then yeah. you suck when yeah, you come back. You, your muscles yeah. atrophy. Um, Ethan Cannon said you got to write a word every day. Oh, that seems reasonable. A word? Just <laughs> oh, at least a word. I'm going to be more ambitious. Than that. <laughs> tell, us, tell us what we should shoot for. Works for him. Since you're yeah, the guru. no, I, I think I think checking in, at least reading. I mean, that, that's good advice. I don't mean yeah. to question his a word a day, but I, but I do think um, it's worthwhile going a little further than that. You know, going I think he was going being going, going. Okay, okay. I, I <laughs> don't know. Funny. I don't know about that as a writer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Metaphor. metaphor. You should look I that think, up. Yeah. It's pretty useful. I was cracking yeah. up I, a minute ago because I remember you wrote a story back at State that was about insomnia. I've been obsessed with sleep and insomnia. Yeah, as one when you don't have sleep, <laughs> you become obsessed with it. Yeah, don't. Thank you for remembering that. Yeah, don't read that new book about sleep. I've been hearing about it. Oh, what? I feel like I already know it all, but maybe there's no. New it's going to kill you. 
Yeah, you're gonna die because it, because I have pre Alzheimer's now and a bunch yep. of weird cancers that are yes, festering. Yes, yes, yeah. you already know. Okay, yeah. you know. from not yeah. sleeping. But oh, it's gross. it's not, it's not, not even not it. sleeping. He's saying if you get less than eight hours a night, you are actually it's as unhealthy as smoking cigarettes. Yeah. Okay, so I can't decide. <laughs> Should we now. talk about sleep? <laughs> well, sometimes I feel like if I slept eight hours a night, like. I would, I'd, yeah, I'd just be a crazy, it's, like so much better in person. Bed yeah. for eight hours, but you only get six hours. This is the problem. You have to do sleep training. Oh, great. Oh, because sleep also training. pills don't work. Oh, well, let's not digress this far. Yeah. But I do want to say that um, it is a little bit of a Sophie's choice as writers, especially because you have to make a living. Very few people can make a living simply as a writer. You have two things going on, or even if you are making a living as a writer, you know, you have life. Um, that's going to compromise your sleep for eight hours. But then would you rather live without a creative life? Would you rather, it's kind of like what they say about vegetarians, sorry, Larry, that you live longer, but it, it's not that you live longer, it just seems oh, longer. But it's, <laughs> without gusto. It's far less enjoyable. I would, I would err on the side of gusto, to tell right. you the truth. That's, um, what that's what I'm saying. And especially with a creative right. endeavor, I think uh, it's so easy to come up with reasons why you shouldn't write a novel. You know, right? And and we can all come up with reasons just all over the place. Uh, so, right. I, but I think there's it's such a gift when you write it, whether it gets published or not. Yeah. You know, just being making creativity a priority in your life. I mean, that's what NaNoWriMo. I mean, it's not all about publishing. In fact, most of it is about just awakening your inner creator for a month and making it a priority because most of us don't do that as adults. Creativity, you know, we tell ourselves, oh, that's something I did as a kid or something like right, that. It's or right. trivial or, or it's not my profession. I'll never sell it. It's not my profession. Right. You know, I, I like to think about it, like if somebody's like when you when you tell people that you're a writer, they'll ask you, are you published yet? Or they'll ask you all these questions. Always about, the first question. Uh, yeah. <laughs> about about your, your success or the money you're bringing in as a writer well, or your sure, lack of money. But if you if you go out and tell people you're a knitter, they don't say, oh, are you opening up a sweater store? <laughs> you know, they don't go big with it. They, they, they're satisfied that you can knit and get perfect, you know, amount of creative pleasure from Right, that. and that it's awesome and they think it's cool. Yeah. And, yeah. So I think it's the same thing sad. about writing. I think you can write a novel just for the sake of writing a novel, just to tell your story. Yeah. I'm processing this because the flip side I feel like is people, and actually whenever, when I tell people I'm a writer, they always ask, what kind of writing do you do? I know, which what do you is, say? I don't which know what to a, 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 a relative of that, how much money do you make? Question off of your writing. Yeah, they want to know. Like, they want to smell you out. I usually, I used to it. say for money or for real, because you know you have to do stuff for money. I write, right, you know, yeah, right. But now I, it's, it was really bothering me. Yeah, especially because I've sort of been at this writing crossroads. Like, well, I'm not writing for newspapers anymore. I want to write. Right. Know. It's easy to say I have a column. Right, yeah. and, and then I was saying, well, I used to have a column, but that makes it sound like a has been. Like, <laughs> I used. I got to. fired. I was a rock star. <laughs> um, Big in Japan. But I decided I wanted to say, you know what, writers do a little bit of everything, and here's what I've done, and here's what I'm doing, and that seems to satisfy them. You know, for me, the hardest part was at those cocktail parties not having an answer that they could just accept and walk away. I don't know what to say when people say that. When when people ask you what kind of a writer are you, what do you say? I don't think one. I've ever had an adequate response to that either, um, <laughs> because I, I feel well, my novels, my my fiction is literary fiction, which I hate that that I know. category. Sounds, I know that it sounds word. like eat your spinach. <laughs> yeah, I had does. a friend say that to another friend once, and she's still mad about it. And she brought it. Just what is that literary fiction that Kenny said you write? I'm like. <laughs> It's a real thing. I'm not even sure if it's it true. Makes, but. Yeah, it makes you sound a little bit pretentious, I think. Yeah, um, literary. You and, read it. And, and also it doesn't <laughs> resonate it. with a lot of people. Like they yeah. want something like no. sci-fi. They want something a little bit more closed in. Well, um, they want to know, like if I say all my stories end up being about fathers and sons, 
they're pretty happy with that. That's a good one. You know, I like that. They're but pleased that with says that. you write fiction. I mean, is that what they're asking? I don't know what they're asking when they I say think what they want to know how you make your living. All of my characters are debauched. Will I know. It? My characters are assholes. <laughs> I write about aliens like me. <laughs> oh, hmm. um, but I know. I was going to say the flip side is when they say, ah, "I've always thought I had a novel in me somewhere." And that used to tell them to sign up for that. Yeah, you're yeah, telling me it shouldn't bug me. Yeah, so when you say sign up, I'm sorry that I live in the we'll writing world and don't the know the details. Yeah, but well, tell you're gonna, me. Tell we'll, me. We'll get you signed up right okay. after we get out of this okay. tiny little closet. Okay, I'm going to do it. Um, go to org. Just so you know, the, the process is we podcast till we run out of air and pass out. Okay. That's when the podcast ends. Yes. Yeah. That's cool. You're looking... So we're about halfway done. Okay, pale. Yeah, you go to nanorimo.org. It's free. We're non-profit. We do take donations, uh, but it's mainly about writing your story. So you just sign up like you would on any other website. And then what? I get like a daily check-in or something? What am I signing you, up for? You sign up. You enter your, your novel. It's kind of like setting up a social oh, media you profile. En- you enter your novel? Well, your People idea. read for, it? Uh, no. Okay. You enter your title and okay. a summary of it. Okay. And uh, some other, See, as a know. as a professional writer, yes. that makes me a little nervous. Hey. Really? Why? Uh, I don't know. Do you want to share the idea? I guess not. Someone might steal the idea. Yeah. Uh, just put in something else. Okay. Then. Just fake them out. All right. You All know, right. Those, those people who are looking to plagiarize your great I know. Work. Everyone's like, what is BQ um, working on? Yeah. I want some of that. That's right. But then, but then to, answer, <laughs> to answer your other question, once you're in, yes, we, we have we send out um, a variety of you know emails with different resources and, and motivational, like Roxanne Gay's writing a pep talk for us this year. We send out pep talks from, cool. from great writers. Cool. I love that. Yeah, That's awesome. Yeah. We've had amazing authors do it in the past. I have a question for you guys, because when yeah. I think of NaNoWriMo, I think, why is it in November? Because Thanksgiving. Yes, I've thought of that, too. Yeah. Family and obligations. And you're normal. So, And the year I did it, I did every day. It was like even a, Thanksgiving? Even Thanksgiving. I said, I'm out. Dude, that is I'll a man just talking. Like Stephen King. Man talking right there. And we have the same kind of dog. But... In your normal life, if you didn't have NaNoWriMo, do you write on Thanksgiving? <laughs> ideally, yes. 15 minutes? Anything Absolutely. just to get, just to make sure? Yeah, well, ideally I'm up at four or five. and That's do, true, because you write before hours. everybody else is Yeah, up. yeah, yeah. No, I mean, uh, the reason I mentioned Stephen King is he's maybe the only writer I know who's publicly said he writes every single day of the yeah. year, including his birthday and Christmas, and it's always 2,000 words. So he's, that on, just he's on a perpetual NaNoWriMo. He's living the life. 1,000 words? Yeah, at least. So my personal thing is 500 words because his was 2,000. So I said 500. Mine was 1,000. Because he's, he's Stephen King, man. John Updike shot for a minimum of 1,200, and he probably exceeded it. That had to be time. early in the day, though. I don't know. He was always churning out he's, stuff, wasn't he? But he was drunk later, wasn't he? Well, I don't know, but he's super pro- prolific. He Stephen King wrote prolific. a bunch of that stuff, and he was drunk, too. Well, I don't think But if Stephen King writes 700,000 words a year, that explains it. But, you know, mm-hmm. he said in On Writing, uh, it should never take more than a season for you to write the first draft of a novel. Yeah. And I thought, are you – because I was thinking of how big his books are. But then after reading pep, talk, pep talks for writers, which I find hard to articulate. I'm sorry. <laughs> right. I, it's easy to read, Call hard to PTW. say. PTW. Okay, PTW. Um, <laughs> that was quick. I, I thought, oh, no, I do see it. Like, it is a matter of – and he even says, like, be a little breathless. Just get it all down. Yeah. But, I got. I was feeling I've, fired up. I've heard that advice from a number of uh, professional writers, to use Larry's term, professional yes. writers, Profession- paid writers, paid novelists. Writers. Yeah. Uh, no, I did a panel for Litquick last year, and every single novelist on the panel said that they wrote that same way. So, in a 
three months? Well, that that they, they, how they, they, mainly, they mainly said that they do everything they can to churn out the rough draft, you know, because so yeah. much so much happens after that rough draft. So it's, so, it's I mean, a everything of, happens after. Yeah, that. and so it's just a matter of getting it out so that you have something to work with. Well, I mean, to to follow the NaNoWriMo model as a numbers guy, it shouldn't take that long. Seventy thousand words is seventy days. If you write a thousand words a day, right? So you should be done in two months. Within a season. Yeah. There you go. It's the first draft. That's the title of your yeah. writing book. Within a Here's season. Here's how many drafts you it takes to Not have basketball season. Though. It's like nine months. A decent novel is yeah. going to take ten drafts. Oh, at least. Yeah, I'm just saying. Yeah. I don't want to. I just don't wanna, do I don't want to sugarcoat. I'm all for revision. <laughs> yeah, me too. How do you define a new draft? Well, that's, that's I think, uh, particular to the writer. And yeah. particularly to what's in front of you. Yeah, I, I, I actually. I had a novel I was working on for years, and I didn't know how to define what draft I was oh, on. Yeah. So Here, I just started saying five. <laughs> secrets of, of the trade yeah. never work on the original draft electronically. Save it completely. Yeah. <laughs> make oh, a copy. Yeah, yeah. That mistake I, I made in the past, the right? That you want. What, uh, I save. Even if I cut the, I keep it in a separate document yeah. in case I need that the yeah. again later. Well, there's an interesting discussion. I, I, every, I, I put it in a file called my dump file. Yep. I so I do like save it all like a hoarder. Uh, I do but, but I don't know why. You never um, go, you never think, never oh, go what back. Was that? Oh, I do. Oh, really? Oh, I you do. do. Well, when I have, I've, I've done it at, like at the end of, a, of a, a new draft, and then I've gone back into the dump file, and I've seen, oh, this is great stuff. i got to get it back in there, mm-hmm. and then I'll put it back in. But that's and it doesn't like, work? No, not really. I think, mm-hmm. I think it's come out for a reason, yep. generally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so that's me. The other th- trick I learned on my own before I had PTW or NaNoWriMo <laughs> or any other acronyms, <laughs> I because I was definitely one of those people who I would always go back and tinker with the first paragraph and try yeah. to make it so awesome. Yeah. That I, I love tinkering with first paragraphs. I know. It's definitely. It so I started a thing, this was years ago, where I would, whenever I ended from the day, I would write in giant caps, start here. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I do that. And then, it, and then I don't let myself look before. For that. Yeah, it's good. I, I feel like I need a warm-up into my new yeah. stuff, but this can be a hazard, you know, because you, I'm going back to read those first. Well, then you start messing with it. Then I start messing with it, I, yeah. I can read it, but I'm not allowed to tinker. Yeah. I got to keep going. I think that's good, especially for an early draft. Yeah. yeah. Well, so Grant, we know you wake up every morning and write. Yeah. And then you spend the rest of your day as the writing guru. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, dealing with uh, budgets and boards and right yeah. and, uh, so much writing <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah are you in a money raising position <laughs> fundraising uh, yes i would imagine yes. but it, so we know that your time is is divided but yeah. what about in your head you know i was thinking about this just recently um because my job gets busier every year mm-hmm. and uh there's not much time to daydream I mean, I think I think the benefit of my job as a writer is that I get to talk to so many writers, and it's it's amazing the stories that you hear and how inspiring they are. Um, and so, being in proximity to writers helps a lot. And I do and I do get to think about the creative process and mm-hmm. what works and what doesn't work, and you know, and, and think about how to write about that or talk about that. But um, but my daydreaming time is like it, it is a scarcity <laughs> these I'm sure. days. Yeah. Uh, oh shoot! I lost my train. I have of a question. You need to sleep more. I, do. I know. I'm worried about you. You don't have enough protein or you don't sleep enough. <laughs> <laughs> protein is a priority of my life. I have to say it is. As a vegetarian, I'm always looking for that protein. I huh? know. Okay. I know. Uh, well, because I wanted to ask Grant, so how did this book, PTW, come about? Was it your <laughs> idea? Did someone to come to A little bit. But they are related. Um, you can get a little PTSD from a 
not working on a novel for 10 years yes. or what have you. It's not working on one. Or, or that too. Yeah. Um, so I just want to know, like, what was the inception of this? Have you carried this around in your head for 20 years? Was it an idea that came to you suddenly? Did Chronicle come to you? Where, tell me. Tell me about the book. A little bit of all above. Yeah. Um, but mainly, uh, one thing that I noticed, uh, is we, we touched on it earlier, is that a lot of people, after they do NaNoWriMo, they want to keep writing. They want to keep being creative. And it's kind of like a gym membership. I think a lot of people with their mm. New, Year's, New Year's resolutions, they buy gym membership in January and they show up for a month or two, and then they have a hard time um, continuing. That is the best time to be at the gym when they're all gone. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I want I want them not to go, especially right. the novelists. And so, um, you know, and and one one thing about that, I mean, when I talk to people who had stopped writing after NaNoWriMo, largely they missed the conversation and they missed the encouragement that they got from the community. Mm. So I really put this out there. It, the, the, the 52, they call them, ins- Chronicle Books is calling them insights. They're kind of like miniature essays. Yeah. And they're meant to be just, you know, short, digestible, you know, reflections that you can you can take in every week and just think about your creativity and how to keep it alive. Well, one nice thing about the structure of that book, PTW, is that you don't necessarily have to read it linearly. Yeah. And you can always come back. True. It's, it is designed that way. It's a good thing to grab, oh, I need this little pep talk. I've been looking at my phone too much. Boom. Yeah, back. exactly. My editor will be happy to hear that. He yeah. always, always told me that. Play that part back. It's right at about the 45-minute mark. <laughs> um, we would be remiss to have you in here and not talk about 100-word story, though. Okay. Yeah. Tell us how that started. Did you yeah. start the flash fiction craze? <laughs> no, but that guy was there who did, right? I do know who started it. I've been in a reading of yours where they were this is the guy who started yeah. it. Oh, okay. Yeah, Tell he, me. Well, he came up with the word flash fiction. Oh. His wife did, actually. Um, and he, he published a lot of those uh, anthologies back in the early 90s. I think they really put it on the map. Uh, 100-word story, I accidentally founded that, much like Chris Beatty. Um, a friend of mine, um, his father wrote a memoir of 100, 100-word stories. And I read them, and I thought that was such an interesting That's way really to cool. present your life, you know, because most of challenge. us... It's a huge challenge. I mean, they, they were all exactly 100 words. But what I loved about the memoir is they were all these little snapshots of a life, uh, which are in some ways, when I think of my life, it's about the snapshots. It's not about the grand trajectory of the yep. narrative. And so uh, I applied that to fiction. And um, I had never... Well, I guess I, I, you know, I'd experimented with flash fiction, but I never committed to, to writing it very, very much of it. Uh, but I liked the short form, and when I did it, I just found like I found that there was a different type of creativity within writing in this little box, this constraint, and it helped me. I mean, it's mainly a process of editing um, instead of producing words. Do you start with a two hundred word and cut it down to a hundred? You know, when I first started writing these, they'd always be one hundred fifty words, and I would be like, "How do I get, get rid of fifty words?" And that was really challenging. Mm-hmm. Uh, but once I did that, or I, it, I feel like. To use the sports metaphor, we've, we've wired our brains through the way we've trained ourselves to write. And so now I've wired my brain for 100-word stories. Mm. So I could sit down and write one now, and it would probably be either 90 words or 110 <laughs> words. <laughs> so I write Amazing. within that frame. But what, they're, they're kind of like little haikus of fiction, though. And what I like about them is, one, they bring out a more lyrical, poetic side mm-hmm. of me, I think, than a longer story does. And they're largely, they are similar to poems in that you're writing, you're leaving out a lot of material and, and just creating the, the, the effects through, through hints and suggestions. I almost feel like the, the sense I get from hearing them and from reading them is like the sense you get from a well-written song. Mm-hmm. You know, just a tiny, you take two minutes of someone's life and you sort of 
pump it full of meaning. Mm-hmm. I love that. And, I like it. And they can be real observational, but you told me beginning, middle, end, and I've really kind of stuck with that. If I yeah. Try to write them, it's you know, I mean, we have a literary journal, 100wordstory.org, and so when we uh, read submissions, I think most of the things we accept tend to have a beginning, middle, and end. They are like a conventional story mm-hmm. in most respects. Um, I think sometimes, though, uh, they can be a slice of life. I'm not against that as long as it's really poetically told, you know, so some of them are could be called prose poems, mm-hmm. but yeah, we we usually look for a solid story. But it probably makes you crazy if someone goes, "Oh yeah, prose poems, hundred word story." Same, you thing. know, it doesn't make me crazy because I I think uh, the collection of hundred word stories that I published, um, I could easily call them prose poems instead of stories. Mm. It's just uh, the, the definition of prose poem or flash yeah, fiction. It's it's authorial intent, exactly like what, you, what you call it. Exactly, so there's not like a. You, can't, you, you don't put it through the prose poem checker. Or <laughs> prose poem. Like, this is a prose poem. It's not a story. <laughs> or, if I might say, prose poem and poem. Are those you are saying the same thing? <laughs> can be. Same issue? Well, I'm yeah. just saying, yeah. what we, we, those are all just labels. Okay. I mean, what makes something a poem? I think prose of a certain length can still be a poem. That's what I think. Well, there you go. Yeah. She said it. You know, and, and knowing <laughs> that you're a habitual insomniac, it kind of all comes together for me now because I don't know how a person can have time to be an evangelist for 100 Word Stories and an evangelist for the writing life and the executive director of NaNoWriMo and write for two hours every morning. And have kids. Oh, yeah. And have <laughs> well, I don't kids. raise the kids. I really don't okay. raise them. See, that's, see I feel like if I had thought of that. I'm an absent father. the helicopter parents, yeah. <laughs> oh, you're so lucky to be having young children now. I was in the height of the attachment period. Yeah, no, we were too. We were. <laughs> yeah, we were, okay. Yeah, I was there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, no, I'm joking about the kids. I love raising my kids. Um, I have help, though. I have help with yeah. Underwood Story. I have help with NaNoWriMo. Uh, you know, I feel like both uh, both endeavors have opened up my writing community in such wonderful ways. And before I was involved in these organizations, I was kind of a solitary writer. I didn't I didn't engage too much with the community, and I think that was a real fault. Well, and you talk about that in PTW. PTW. Community. And I was thinking about the grotto, Larry. Yes. We're so lucky to have the grotto. Totally. And, you know, but you make the case that, yeah, you can find community. You just can find it. You can. I mean, these days, communities abound on the yeah, Internet, you right. know. And, and and there's always a danger to join any community. I mean, you make yourself right. vulnerable on some level, especially as a writer. Um, but I think I just advise every writer to make to, to search out a community that works for them. And search hard and do it the right way. I, you know, I had so many false starts joining mm-hmm. different writing groups and going for like a month going, eh, not so much. You know, yeah. they're, they're all writing sci-fi and I'm not, so this isn't going to work. Yeah. But, um, but in your case, it, it seems like you went from zero to a billion overnight, <laughs> you know? I kind of did. It's a little overwhelming. <laughs> there was um, no indication that I'm going to be a community guy. I'm going to be an advocate <laughs> for community. Yeah. Uh, you know, it just it just happened. And uh, it happened in such a wonderful, miraculous way that I threw myself into it. Uh, and, and I was. I, it was more of a slow buildup. My time with the National Writing Project, which mm-hmm. you probably didn't see, I was getting very involved with, with writers and teachers. Through, through well, and it's funny because and, and I think this is more of a guy thing than a girl thing, but as young male writers. Bridget, listen in. I'm, I, I can handle it. <laughs> yeah, you can leave. Um, There's nothing I know don't know about men. I have six brothers. Six brothers. Oh, wow. Know. You know more than I do. Okay. <laughs> Me too. No, I'm talking about a mindset for young guy writers. Yeah. When we come into this. That's the title of your book. Young guy writers, yeah. Oh, I like a, a it. mindset. Um, for young guy writers. Write that's, that down. That's that is really niche, good. I think if I try to get that website, it would turn out He's to be not. already taken by a porn site, though. He's not writing. Okay. Um, there is kind of a lone wolf sensibility 
you know, because you want to be the guy sitting in the bar riding on the back of a napkin and then riding a motorcycle off into the distance. It's not like, I'm going to be a rider because I want to hang out with a bunch of people. As long as you wear your helmet on that motorcycle, Larry. You know, um, you can't tell me what to do. First. You just can't tell me what to do. I'm going to do. I'm going to go my way. Lone wolf, also dead. Oh well. I, Eventually. So I, yeah. True. I think there's truth to that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I cool think, guys. Well, well, I think I think the solitary writer is overly mythologized. I agree. Agreed. You know, and I think I think writers uh, often see themselves that way because it is obviously an, uh, an act that requires a lot of solitude. But if you think about the Beatniks, Bloomsbury. The Anything. In, the Inklings, Paris in the 20s. Right, even Hemingway needed someone to drink with. Yeah, well, he, he got a lot of guidance from Gertrude Stein and, and Sherwood Anderson and, and other writers, Tons. too. So he, he was really dependent on his community. Mm-hmm. And, and as the lone wolf, he might not admit that, I, but he wouldn't have been Hemingway without the people around him. He liked the idea of the lone wolf. Yeah. I got a bone to pick with Hemingway. You had a lot Most of people. Most people do. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a Fitzgerald guy. Uh-huh. And uh, when I was, I, so I wrote, you know, we had to do these theses where part of it was you'd choose an author and you'd really write something about him and do this big presentation. I chose Fitzgerald because he played football in high school. But good reason. So did Carol. That's right. He was, a, he was a football fan. Yeah. yeah. He would drop uh, plays throughout his but, life. Yeah. I read this, this passage where Hemingway was boxing some Canadian writer. And he was getting his. Butt. I knew it was Archibald MacLeish. It was. Yeah, well, he yeah. Was that's one of my his, favorite poems. Yeah. So you know this anecdote, and I might be getting it wrong. But he's he, a poet. He was getting his butt kicked. Well, he's a poet. And Fitzgerald was keeping time. Oh, Hemingway was getting his butt kicked. Yeah. Oh, okay, go ahead. Fitzgerald was keeping time, yeah. and he was drunk, and he Which lost one? track. Fitzgerald oh, okay. was drunk, and he didn't ring the bell fast enough, <gasps> and Hemingway never forgave him because he was getting his butt kicked. That's hilarious. I thought he was going to punch Fitzgerald. I would like to, yeah, to end that way. St- That's a better story. He would dress him down in front of Zelda and just humiliate him, and I got nothing Probably for that guy. He made fun of his penis size in a movable feast. I was going to say, <laughs> so, I got nothing for that the guy. The whole movable feast is really settling scores. <laughs> yeah. I went, to, I went to the Hemingway house in Key West, and all I could think was, God, I'm glad this guy wasn't my dad. Wow. Yeah, that's it. I didn't think I'm in presence of greatness. I just thought, oh, so glad this wasn't my dad. Huh. I never think about that. <laughs> yeah, I, I haven't really? thought about that either, but, but that could really? be a whole new well, uh, essay about? collection. Yeah. Hemingway's father. I told you I read about fathers and sons. <laughs> oh, well, there you go. Okay, there you go. Um, but what was that title? I think you do need to write that title down. Mindset for, for young, cool young can, writers. You can, you can re-listen because you will because you're the editor and find out what it was and then write it down. There. Done. Whew, that's awesome. I know. You're so lucky that we're here for you. <laughs> okay. Poor Grant. <laughs> reeling us back in. Yeah. Yeah. It's like this all the time. This is great. Like, this is like always. Mark Maron's garage. Essentially. Oh, yeah. But hotter. Smaller. hotter. No cats. Question. I hate cats. Yes. Everyone who comes in here after a book release talks about the expectations and responsibilities of a writer who's just released a book. Yeah. My theme here is that you've already got a lot of expectations and responsibilities. How are you going to balance that? I saw a picture on Facebook of you surrounded <laughs> by hundreds of copies of this book. What happens next? Ooh, I want to follow you. That sounds awesome. It has been super fun uh, to get out there and, and do things like this, talk to people. Uh, I was just at Google yesterday and gave a presentation there, which was super fun. It is a lot of work, you know. Uh, I mean, most of it is fun. But uh, these days, I think, you know, the, the, the role of the author in, in, in the publication of the book has just been dramatically yes. transformed. And when we were at SF State, 
I think there was a notion that the writer would write this precious book and hand it over to the agent who would take care of the writer's bills and pat them on the head and then give the book to a publisher and the publisher would do everything else, right? Exactly. And you'd have your hand held, you'd have your, your hotel rooms booked. And, yeah, you know, and we'd be back in the garret writing the next one. Yeah, now now that you basically you hand this in and they're like, okay, go post on social media right away. And they're right like, away. what can you do for us now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. no, so the expectations are higher, but you know maybe there is a hidden benefit if... We're not allowed to sit in our garret anymore. Right. I, I think it's good to get oh, out there. Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, I mean, I get to have conversations with, with, with my readers or other writers, you know, with mm-hmm. regularity. It's great. And uh, whether it's on social media or, or on a podcast. Um, so I think it's great. It, but it does take a lot of work and it is hard to, to juggle the brain space, you know, yeah. creative time versus promotion. Yeah, time. it is just and, one and more honestly, thing. And honestly, sometimes most writers, myself included, we're not incredibly disposed towards self promotion, but we're living in this era that we, yeah. it's, it is kind of required. I think there are some writers kind who. Kind of. No. It's most writers are required of, yeah. yeah. Unless, unless you're really, yeah. But even if you're huge, think of people like Roxane Gay and Stephen King. Like, being on Twitter as much as they are is a kind of promotion. Definitely. It's, yeah, you keep telling that. me you need to learn how to use Twitter because you know how to use it. I don't know. Like start with, but it, start but with a better than story you. and then work down to 140 characters. <laughs> Look at that was gold. Everyone. Eventually, the goal is to write nothing. But, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like that. Just post a photo. No, it's about just post a photo. It's or, very yeah. zen. Or just no more, about something. No more text. Uh, just to kind of go full circle, but now you're you're in demand. It seems as. Like I said, a writing a writing lifestyle guru. You're on wow. a, you seem to get interviewed oh. a lot. That sounds like you could get paid a lot for that. I, I would, I would I work know. that angle. Larry, Larry calls me a writing lifestyle. Well, you need guru. to get a polo shirt yeah. and a microphone. Yeah. How can I help you achieve your maximum potential as a writer? That's who I'll be a year from now. Awesome. <laughs> invite, invite me back on, and I will. We'll need a I'll bigger give you Robbins You'll decline <laughs> identity. All right. But that is part of your life. You seem to appear in a lot of panels and get interviewed a lot. Um, how do you how do you prioritize that stuff with all the other stuff? Uh, it's just a super busy life, you know. Um, my wife and I, Heather Mackey, she's also a writer. We're constantly passing the baton to each other. Uh, who picks up the kids? Who is there anger in that? <laughs> I would find it, that so stressful. Is it we, uh, equitable. Uh, we we used to, you know, when their kids were younger. I think, and it was tougher. We definitely had some arguments, and it was a tough thing to navigate about yeah. who got what time and whose projects were more important. important. Yeah. yeah how did you how did you um, prioritize that? Was it like <laughs> I've got a book on that's that's a whole book, Larry. <laughs> yes, it that's is. a whole new book. That would um, be a good book. No, but we, uh, you know, fortunately we worked our way through it. But uh, you know, I mean, now we can navigate it fairly gracefully. I think, mm-hmm. and we're we're a really good team. But we definitely had some moments that were like, you know, what you guys I want to write this morning. Why do you always get the mornings? You should yeah, pat yeah, yourself yeah. on the back then for getting out the other side because I don't think everybody does. No, I agree. It's tough. I agree. It's, I, I, tough. it's a really hard time that transition from being a couple to a couple with kids. And yeah, it's, especially it's, it's tough the and then throwing the writing on right. top of it. I mean, you're already devoting so much time to administrative tasks to begin with. So are you? Yeah. Ooh, we are out of time. Aww. Out of time. I just so enjoyed time. this. Overheated. It's gotten quite hot. And he is Grant Falsner, and he's going to help you unlock. We didn't talk about Grant's name. Oh, yeah. What it's a good your name. Real first are we still name. on? Yeah, we're yeah. still on. We're still on. My first real first name, Ralph. I thought it was William. Come on. <laughs> you told me 25 years ago it was William. My granddaddy insisted I be named William <laughs> I can't believe you don't use it, William Grant Falkner. I can't believe you would think he'd use it. I think it's so well, I already thought Grant Faulkner was an awesome name, and it then I found true. out that William was part of it. I'm just 
floored. I don't know. I just think it's so good. Uh, I think it's pretty awesome. Say Grant. But you're called Grant. I am called Grant. Okay. My mom didn't want me to be called Bill. That's the, Bill. That's the story. Not a big story, but she didn't like Bill. So I've always been Grant. The William Falcon part she was fine with. Grant is a good Midwestern name. What about uh, Will? I know in the Midwest, everyone's going to shorten it. Yeah. So. Yeah. All right. So carry on. Carry call on. Call my mom. Call my okay. mom. Okay. Say, Grant, uh, how can people find you in the social media? Well, according to you, Larry, I'm everywhere. <laughs> You are everywhere. But, uh, but I'm if you on Google Facebook William Faulkner, Twitter. they won't find you. Sorry. Yeah, don't Google William Faulkner. Uh, <laughs> Google Grant Faulkner, and you will likely find all the key information you could possibly want. I do have a website, grantfaulkner.com. Twitter, Facebook are my main social media. I should do Instagram, but I just can't Instagram's quite get fun. there. No yeah. politics. Yeah. Uh, give him a reminder of NaNoWriMo. NaNoWriMo starts in November. You can sign up now. You can start thinking about your novel and preparing. That's what I recommend. Uh, but it's 30 days of writing with abandon, and you will exit with this great gift of your novel. And you might as well get pep talks for writers to prepare yourself, in my opinion. That's uh, Thank you, Bridget. Sure. And I was going to say it's NaNoWriMo.org. Yes. N-A-N-O-W-R-I-M-O. Yeah. And 100 Word well Story, that's 100 Word Story. 100 Word Story.org. We actually have um, a collection of the best stories we've published in the last six years coming oh, out yeah. with a local uh, small press, Outpost 19, that John Romer runs, and it's coming out uh, in April, April 3rd. Fantastic. Yeah. Say, Bridget. Yes. What if people want to find you? Well, they can't just Google and find me because they're going to find that some other Bridget Quinn. newscaster at Fox News. <laughs> but <clears throat> were you to want to find me in particular, you could go to BridgetQuinnAuthor.com for my website or at BeQuinterest on Twitter and Instagram. Great. And if you want to find me and hear about my book for young writers, <laughs> which hasn't even been conceived or written, uh, that Larry Rosen on Twitter uh, and the uh, Instagram and uh, my website promoting my other podcast is is it good for the Jews.com. As for us here at the Grotto Pod, we can be found at the Grotto Pod on Twitter. We don't have Instagram. We'd have a lot of pictures of this tiny little room uh, if we yeah. did. Yeah, but we should but take we a picture. We probably should because we have a different person in here every week. Yeah, that's a good idea. We should do that. Uh, you can email us, even though nobody does, at uh, grottopod at gmail. Uh, you can find us on Facebook slash grottopod, and of course, uh, grottopod.com is our website. Bridget, who uh, produces this here podcast? I'm glad you asked, Larry. It is Lee Kravitz, Beth Weingartner, and Lori Ann Doyle. And how about that music? Where's that come from? Sugartown. Sugartown. You can find them on uh, Facebook. Uh, slash Sugartown. Simple. Yep. That's it for us. There's no air left in the room. Uh, nope. We're going to exit now. Bridget, help us get out of here by taking us home. Okay. I think I don't want to speak for Grant, but I'm just going to say uh, I yeah, think this he wraps would it up for Grant, right? agree with me. Read, write, and just keep working. <laughs> <laughs>